Welcome to the Crypto Nerdology Podcast, the show where we delve deep into the nerdy subjects that you probably didn't know existed and most likely don't really care about. I'm your host, Bob. And I'm Billy. And uh, yeah, so this week, following up our last episode, we talked about Ready Player One. This time we are going to talk about Ready Player Two, the the follow-up to, of course, Ready Player One. So in case you were new to this world and have not read Ready Player One, uh, we strongly recommend that book as it is a favorite um, for sure. Maybe my most favorite. Um, So yep, again, Ready Player Two, written by Ernest Cline. It was released this year, what, like uh, last week maybe, week before? November 24th, so what, two weeks now? Um, Solid book, uh, followed on the heels of the film Ready Player One. Um, and yeah, so we'll get into a little bit of the book, uh, some of the plot, things of that nature. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so there is a chance, you know, this will be a spoiler heavy review. I mean, uh, I don't know. I always give things a week. If you ain't messed with it in a week, you probably aren't going to two we weeks. Is a pretty go, good time period. We, don't, we probably won't go too far into well, I mean, we go to some no. of the main plots, but. There'll still be some things for you guys to learn and explore and all that jazz. Oh yeah, there's a lot in the in the I mean in the first book and this one. There's so much to explore that we could talk about it and still not cover everything. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um so yeah. Um essentially this book's been in the works for a while. Um, you know, back in 2015, I believe. Uh they talked about it a little bit, kind of hinted at it, uh, especially because of the film. He wanted to follow up with that. Uh, he had stated that some of the movie aspects had really um, and kind of inspired him to write more. Um, and that's one thing I noticed. I'm not sure if you noticed. Um, not quite as few, uh, or not quite as many, rather, uh, pop culture references in this book. Um, at least not yeah, the obscure I, ones. I felt like they very much, um, not necessarily dumbed down, but kind of pinpointed certain references if that's the one they were going with they were going with that one yeah not that one and a couple other weird side ones that he you know would throw in in the other the first book you know i kind of i kind of think your first uh your first word in there was the best choice because for me i didn't love the book i didn't just i didn't hate it you know it was a good book but i didn't love it like i did right i enjoyed it it was a fun read well see i felt like you said dumbed down. I think that was a perfect uh, description because it was written for fans of the movie, not for fans of the book, in my opinion. Um, you well, know, in the book, there was so much like just references to so many things that people of our age would really like resonate with. And I felt like this one was more, it was definitely written for the sole purpose to make another movie. I don't think it was written because he just loved the topic or the characters. I think it seemed to me like it was only written to make another movie, which I don't know. I kind of disagree. I I can see that point of view, especially coming off the heels of how successful the film was, the film adaptation was. Um, but just some of the references and things that he does go into in this book i don't know it's it reminded me a little bit of the first one like i don't know how he's gonna get the licenses for half this shit because it's not just nerd movies and nerd video games and nerd books it dives into 
other types of movies that weren't really super nerdy, um, like John Hughes films. It dives into my favorite part of the book, Prince. Yeah, it was a really good part. And, you know, it dives into a bunch of other stuff that I guess it it was kind of nerdy, but not that super hardcore nerdy that the first book was. Well, it just wasn't that super 80s nerdy. I mean, it is to an extent because John Hughes was big in the 80s. Prince, of course, but huge in the 80s. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm not sure if it's just me being, I don't know. I, I didn't feel like the characters really grew. Um from their their previous incarnations i think he like he almost broke them all the way down and then built them back up versus them growing from where they were you know i don't think, I don't think we had that in this book i i don't know i yeah i don't think they grew but i think i mean they grew in the first book like as the characters did there wasn't much more they could grow let's see i think i would like this at a lot least better Parts of all could, but you know, as far as everyone else, as far as everyone else, yeah, like Parsifal you know, was like a whiny, annoying kid in this book. It, but it, it was, but it made sense. Nerves. It made sense. I don't know, man. To it me, like PC. You imagine you you be uh, you being a young a youth, and you just acquired billions of dollars. You pretty much own the world now, as yeah. a youth. A youth. You're probably gonna be a little bit of a jerk. Just a little yeah, bit. But he didn't do anything with any of his money. He did it all with the stupid robes. He was just like, I'm going to go spy on people and be a creepy weirdo and never leave the oasis. Oh, you're going to, uh, you know, this is a little bit spoilers, but he does do that. You know, he gets in and he's like, Oh, you're going to talk shit about me and my friends? Uh, I'm just going to kill you and erase your character. Yeah. I just like, <laughs> like, like douchey shit. Like, he was he's a griefer. He's a griefer. You know what I mean? Like, for no reason. Oh, you talk. You talk shit about me online, you did. And I was just like, come on, man. I mean, it was for a a teen angsty reason. I mean, Artemis broke up with him. Again, spoiler, but Artemis, you know, broke up with him. And he's like, I can't deal with this. I'm going to go take it out on these other freaking noobs. I don't know. He was trash, man. I think it would have been a lot better had it been about the low five. Like if they'd have been the yeah. main characters, that, I'd have liked it that, way better. That is a character. There are a group of people in this book called they call themselves the Lo-Fi. Uh, and they sound awesome. I would like like a spin-off story, like a short story about the Lo-Fi. They're just groupies. They're groupies would, of the high five. I would like to, yeah, I <laughs> they sounded cool. I think it would be cool. Um, yeah, because one of one of their avatars is freaking Billy Jean. One of them yeah. is freaking the monkey king. I mean, come on, it was awesome. I think it would have been really neat uh, just to have them a little bit more. Like that's one thing I will get into a few things. There's a, a very intricate part of the last act where the low five go off and do their own thing to help out the high five. Um, but you only ever really, they don't even tell you what the low five do. Yeah. You just see the high five, you know, this is what all the high five are doing. But the thing that the low five are doing are it's super important yeah it's pivotal to the whole end of the book and you don't ever figure out what happens or how they do what they do i i would have liked that to be i would have liked that to be included i'm sure but as far as the references i think you did a decent job in the references in this one for what they were they were a little different i understood them 
um, and, you know, and this point, you know, it's not about, uh, you know, the egg. They're not trying to find all the eggs or the keys to get to the egg for, um, oh my God, it's escaping my brain. What's his name? Halliday. Halliday. They're not trying to get all Halliday stuff. Yeah. You know, this was for what you find out is Og's deceased wife, yeah. Kira. Which, as a girl, I can understand all the references they included. Like John Hughes movies, like The Breakfast Club and Pretty in Pink, yeah. uh, 16 Candles. You know, not that not everyone can like those movies, but they are very girly films. Not all of John Hughes films are girly. No, no, no. But Real, those. Weird Science is one of my favorite movies ever. That's definitely a dude film. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Some of them are, but those three, you know, Breakfast Club could be either or. Yeah. But 16 and Candles and Pretty Pink are very girl centric. I mean, the main character is a girl. So that's, you know, who you follow yeah. and that's what you get into. And, I mean, some of it I could see that way, but Prince, I don't know anyone that doesn't like Prince. If you don't like Prince, you're dumb. I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> it's true, and like I said, I, I, I'm not saying I hated the book. I just didn't love it. You know, I don't think it had. Uh... It didn't have that feeling of the epicness that the first one did. Yeah, and I think that might be part of it. I went into it like really excited, and almost yeah. any time I go into something really excited, it's garbage. You know, um, this was like, like um, Star Wars stuff, but it's like. <gasps> Oh my gosh, I can't believe yeah, it's right player two. And then I read it and I was just like mm. I don't know. I don't even know what I could compare it to. Like I'd put it at all out of, out of those three books. I mean it's the bottom for sure. I think um I think Armada's better than this. Um Armada was good because it was different. It yeah. wasn't well, ready player one. I don't think it was necessary. I don't think this book was necessary. Like if he could have spun it away and took those characters, like especially the low five characters, you came up with five brand new characters. And gave them their own story that was like based in D and D, like this actually is, and made it like a fantasy or something cool, and took it out of the Oasis. To me, it just seems like a way to to a cash grab. I'm writing this for the sole purpose of making money off a movie, and to me, that's the that's the worst way to cash in on like a geek or a nerd's love of that content. Like like '80s geek culture and nerd culture is a huge huge like prevalent part of a lot of america's life at this time at this time yeah frame. and a lot a of lot pop of culture in general 30, a lot of the really old. really good stuff came yeah. out in the 80s and then into the 90s yeah and all that stuff is just keep it just doesn't die it and keeps going on because like, people like us people like ernest klein keep buying it yeah keep buying it we keep breaking it up they keep i don't know how many different iterations of ghostbusters and ninja turtles and he-man yeah, that they're, we're going to keep making because we'll never stop. Yeah, people still play D and D, and there's all these things. All that stuff comes from there. So, like for me, it just seems like it was where Ready Player One was like a fan's love letter. This is like a corporate. How can we cash in on this? And th- that's I mean, I how see, it read I can to see me. That. I can see that side. You know, now, what I, mean? I, I still enjoyed the book. I yeah, still I had enjoyed fun it. reading it. I thought that. Things could have been fleshed out more, certain yeah. character arts, but the overall funness was still there. It was still a fun book, you know. Getting the, um, you know, the seven shards. The point is for him to get the seven shards, which you know is very reminiscent of Chaos Emeralds. 
you know, from, uh, about Sonic. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, there's a good, that was a cool reference. I like that. And then he goes through all these shards and, you know, I, it was really fun him getting all the shards, going through all these things that they had to do to get them. And then, you know, uh, the John Hughes, there's a John Hughes part that was really fun. I thought mm-hmm. that was cool. And I, I learned stuff that I didn't know. I'm not going to give anything away. But there were yeah. things I learned about that that I didn't know about certain things. And I was like, that's yeah. pretty interesting. Uh, and then, you know, it gets into the – my favorite part is – and I'm not going to give too much away with this, but they uh, they go to a planet that is just Prince. Just straight up, everything is Prince about this planet. Purple yeah. rain everywhere. Uh <laughs> But, you know, it, it doesn't even do it. It goes, it encompasses every aspect of Prince's career. Like, all the way from, you know, they, they talk about more stay in Rome, the time, uh, the greatest the revolution. We get the revolution. We get Purple Rain. Jay's. <laughs> yeah. There's like some really, really neat stuff. Graffiti Bridge. Thing. And I did like that because it made the other members of the High Five important and i liked i liked everything involving the hunt for the, the shards it was everything else i thought was trite and not needed yeah like you made holiday a dick and a bad guy you made watts like wade a whiny little baby who was just like like a sniveling baby but he was like i kind of like the what they time. did with holiday oh it was they cool. built him up to be this whole yeah act. like he's so great and then really he's kind of a nerdy douchebag <laughs> Well, he was kind of like a weird, like, I don't even know, like, rapist kind of, like a mind rapist kind of. And it was like this crazy, you're like, what the fuck? How he's a piece of garbage. Yeah, like and he's not he, a good person. And at the end, he tries to redeem him where he, like, knows it or whatever, you know. Um, but I just, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was not necessary, I think. Um, the The one thing I will take away from it, or the one thing I will put against it that I thoroughly did not enjoy was – the fact that I thought it was kind of lazy that they had to get the last two shards from the same place. Yeah. Like it wasn't like, Oh, this one, this one, you know, it was build up. Like we got to get this one here. We got to get this one here. We got to get this one here. This one here. And then the last two were like, they're from the same place. Imagine that. Yeah. Oh, dang. We're out of time. <laughs> That's what I felt like. He was like, <laughs> I don't know if I can write another hundred pages. Yeah. I, All right. I they're in the same place. They were just there. You got Which I thought was cool. Uh, they did a little, you know, in the last the last part is uh, Lord of the Rings, very Lord of the Rings. To, and I like weird. that they didn't they didn't do the Lord of the Rings. Everybody knows. Yeah, they did Lord of the Rings prior to the movies in The Hobbit. Like it's I'm gonna go ahead time and say, before that. You got. I'm sure Aaron freaking yeah. If she hasn't read it yet. She hasn't read it yet. She's gonna love that part. You gotta be a major fan. To read the Cimmerillion. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, a lot of people have no idea what he was even talking about. Which uh-uh. I thought that part, and like I'm saying, all those little, all those little segments were great. And he does a good job of writing those little, those little blips into like what they're doing there. It was just everything else. You know what I mean? Like, had he pulled it out and had like even done like new characters doing something else, like my original thought was going to be, it was going to be maybe Wade's doing an Easter egg or something, which would have been kind of meh. But at least it had been new characters. It could have been interesting. We could have learned about the low five guys. They were all really cool, yeah. like characters. And instead, he throws them in for almost no reason. He makes it where Wade can't do anything on his own. He has to have help. 
even though he's built up to be like the greatest hunter ever, he's Parzival. I know, but I think that was kind of the point. He's not really that great. You can't do anything. You you can, but don't be afraid to ask for help from your friends, which is kind of was the basis of this book. Like he had to ask for a lot of help, but you know it let the other characters really shine. Yeah, but he had to, but he still had to do it. It was like. Just let them get this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. That whole like old yeah, like, air. Yeah, art like Artemis really shined in the John Hughes area, but she couldn't collect the shard. Yeah, like only um, the air could do it. Which I was like, eh. I guess I, I don't know. It kind of felt like a reason. Maybe. All right, we well, still got to include Parzival. So yeah, he cause he's the only one that can touch it. It was silly. And I guess I mean just base, just basic stuff. I mean, he, I mean, even in the first book, Ernest Klein is not the best. He's not like the greatest writer ever. You know, what I mean, it no. is, the the, con- the content appeals to us, yeah. um, and that's the same in this book. The writing is not great. Um, the dialogue is is muddy and kind of it kind of falls flat a lot. And so this is just kind of me getting into the mechanics of the book itself. Um, the plot doesn't progress very fast. It kind of dies in a few spots and then gets like electrocuted, jump back to life. And yeah. it gets real exciting. And then it just dies again. And you're like, okay, man, uh, cool. And then boom, it's back. And um, so I think, and like you said, the ending is, I think it's very lazy. Um story writers approach like the whole vonnegut and space thing was this like this weird silly mcguffin the whole time then all of a sudden oh we're gonna live on this and it's the story being told and i was like this is freaking dumb um the ending was a little weird yeah just not gonna give away the ending but it was a little weird but i mean i don't want to discourage anyone from no, I mean, if you, if you love the first book and you like the characters i mean you'll still enjoy the book yeah you'll it's still I, a fun I, book we're like just said, it. I like the book. The first I just didn't love it. Um, I didn't think it was. I didn't see the point. I don't like anything that's a cash grab, you know. And that's anything. Like I love Star Wars, but my only gripe about the new trilogy is that Disney made them solely for money. Uh, other than that, I love the films. Um, anyone who complains about the Star Wars films, you're not a real fan. But um, Boom, I just don't roasted. hundred percent. You're not a real fan. Um, but yeah, but to me it bothers me because you you just you didn't put any you you didn't love it you know what I mean like like I guess a comparison to that would be like Disney doesn't care about Star Wars they care about how much money Star Wars can give them whereas like yeah. John Favreau and Dave Filoni love Star Wars and that's why the Mandalorian is so good yeah we're not gonna get on that and the first the first book you can tell he really loved those things he was writing about because he was writing about things he loved and there was so yeah. much emphasis put on those those geek culture kind of tropes and this time i feel like some of it was there and some of it was really just how can we get some extra dollar bills here yeah or like hey this was a thing not so much as i love this thing as this was a thing around the same time yeah yeah. or how this is a thing that's related then it kind of makes you think holiday in my mind is like based on Ernest Klein himself like the things he really loved so I'm like are you like a weird womanizing piece of crap Ernest Klein you write about yourself here dog you creepy creepy mental rapist are you creepy mental <laughs> rapist we need to know are you being for real here what's going on is this autobiography dude I don't know 
you know, I mean, even saying that, like, you know, I was reading certain things about it uh, being a cash grab, the possibility of that being true. This book just being written so they could make a movie because they're probably definitely going to make a movie of it. Um, 100%. It was promoted with a treasure hunt. And you did it in the video game Roblox, which is just a straight up cash grab itself. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, if you've ever played Roblox. Nah, my kids play it, but but you know you got I'll kids. And kids love Roblox. Oh, they do. And it's uh, it's ridiculous. It's a lot of like, oh, you can pay three dollars for this skin. Like everywhere you go, you just pay, 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 or you can just play the silly stuff for free. But I don't know. It's a good book. <laughs> I, I I know we're we're trashing it at the moment, but it's a good book. I I recommend that everyone at least read it once. I'm not yeah. saying you're gonna want to read it many times. I mean, I have books that I will read multiple times. They're some of my favorite books. This one was a fun book. I suggest you read it at least once. Oh, for sure. If you love the first one, if you like that kind of um that kind of story that has that like you know that that geek culture kind of like oh look at this thing from the 80s for sure it's worth a read uh but it's not worth like i i reread ray player one every year and it's not the same like uh, i was looking over um goodreads reviews uh before we got into this just to kind of see what other people were saying and my favorite quote out of all this is uh let's see here they say oh it sounds like player two was most definitely not ready <laughs> 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 and I, I feel that like you said at the end it was just like uh, uh you know i yeah, announced uh, this five years ago it took me five years to write a book that i feel like should have taken a lot less time because there wasn't yeah. a lot of story in this book there wasn't a lot of world building because it was already done like he already set the, the footing you know it wasn't like he's going in like a tolkien and building a middle earth you've already established what the oasis is and you go to places that are based on things that have already been created. So it's not like he has to create what middle earth looked like. Tolkien did that. He didn't have to, he didn't have to create Sherma world or whatever, because John Hughes already did that. Yeah. You know, he used uh, imagery and things from Prince's albums and life to recreate that world. So he's not doing any real world building. He's just kind of throwing shit. That's already popular in there. So I'm like, why'd this take you five years, bruv? I don't understand. Like this, you know, because it wasn't like it was great writing. Um, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like he was trying to get as much crap in it that he can put into a movie as possible. Because the first one, there was a lot of things that couldn't be done. You know, they just couldn't. Yeah. Um, and like you said, it was definitely like, hey, what can we see on, on camera here? It just, yeah, there was too much stuff. And I will say this, um, you know, if they pick anything that they can make from this book, into the movie it better be this prince battle well it's gotta be because i don't think they can get the rights to tolkien stuff they are like uh, sharks about the rights. yeah to things. probably not on that but i mean if anyone reads this if you if you listen to this podcast and you've read the book please comment yeah. please leave us a send us a message you know let us know what you thought of the book or specifically for sure send a message related directly to me or bob about the Prince Planet, because it is by far the best thing in this whole book. Oh, 100%. And if they do that, just word for word, the way it was in the book, into a film form, 
I will cream my jeans. <laughs> it's so good. I would like to see like freaking Morris Day in the time again. I will say this through all our other listeners, most of them love Star Wars. Um, as epic of Star Wars fans as we are, that whole Prince thing felt as good as the last three episodes of The Mandalorian. Get out of here with that mess. You That's how I, good it felt for me. I, I love Prince. I'm and I was like, aside. this nothing. is the best thing about this whole book. There's nothing after, even after reading it, after getting to the end of that story arc, I knew nothing's going to top this. No, no. This is so good. Yeah, no. Um, I was going to say, it's not even about this book at all, but nothing in this book at all will come close to slave one flying into the screen on the Mandalorian. Oh. Get out of here with this mess. I, mean, I can't believe you just said yeah, that. On a side note, on a, <laughs> on a side note, no, I was watching that on at work, on my picker at work, and I'm picking an order, and I see the slave one come in, and I'm not going to lie, I caveman grunted, like, ah, as loud as I could. I was so excited. <laughs> and I looked over, and there's a truck driver just staring at me. Like what? What is this kid doing? Oh man! Like you, you don't know. You don't understand. You don't even get it. All right. <laughs> we'll to cover that in a future episode. <laughs> Go in. We'll do an episode on Boba Fett. Oh man! All right, man. Is there anything else you want to add? Uh no. I mean, give the book a listen. Uh, you know, tell us what you think. Send us a message. Yeah, you did. I will say it was also narrated by Will Wheaton, which he does a good job. So I he did like a great that narrator. I listened to it. Um, I want to say audible had like a, th- a free trial going on for a while you had free yeah. credits with a trial so if it's still going on jump in get the audiobook listen to it um i pre-ordered it so i got it on hardback and i listened to the audiobook it's a fun um, read it's only 13 hours yeah, we'll it's not reading long. it to you it's not yeah, very it's long. Not long um i finished it in a couple days yeah it's a quick read um again like i said i'm definitely not um detracting anybody from reading it if you you know if you love the first one definitely check it out um but just keep your expectations low is what i'll say because you go in with them too high that it's going to be as good as the first book and it just it it pales in comparison i think yeah. like, i don't think it's as good as armada yeah. and armada be, was nowhere near as good as ready player one so you know it'll be like my experience with uh the 300 now the 300 was a good movie but everyone told me how awesome this movie was and it was the best movie they've ever seen and it was so good and it was amazing and then when i watched it it was okay yeah you're like, eh. like they built it up so much I'm like, this movie's okay. It's good. I can see why people like it. It's meh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At best. All right. That is our episode on Ready Player Two. Hope we didn't spoil too much for anybody. Um, thanks to everybody. I think, I think we're good. I think yeah, we, we, did, we, we still we scratched things. the surface of all the stuff, the stuff that's really cool in the book. Probably read online. Um, so yeah, guys, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening this week. Um, as always, you can always find us where pretty much anywhere you get podcasts. Um, that's not some random obscure place, you know, Apple, YouTube, not YouTube, uh, Apple, Google, they, uh, anchor, Spotify, all that good stuff. We are everywhere. We are the world. but yeah guys thanks for tuning in and as always big thanks to uh belushi speedball for the use of their song the bleeps the sweeps and the creeps from the speedball three another ep um and yeah that's all we got this week guys so tune in next week for more crypto nerdology 
See you later.